we should die this afternoon, will you be satisfied that you have lived a good life? You have lived a life worth living. Will you be sure that God will be happy with the life that you have lived? You cannot fool anybody because you are answering to yourself. And even though you are talking in your heart, God is hearing your answer. Are you ready to die? The Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, that judgment. There have been all kinds of philosophical thinking to make us believe that so after death, you know, that's the end of it. So why do you waste your time with church and other superstitious uh, uh, superfluous things? Why don't you just enjoy the life that nature has given you? Eat, drink, make merry, and that's it. prophet admonished us that we must prepare to meet our God. Nowhere in the Bible do we read that it is only old men who die. Not once. You look at life. If you go to any mortuary right now, and I've encouraged those of you who haven't heard me say that before. Talk to your parents and take an excursion to the mortuary. I'm dead serious. It will change your perspectives about life. If you're not strong enough to go to the mortuary. But I encourage you to. Hospitals. Go to the emergency wards. And just look. Have you ever experienced a life accident before? Who has experienced it before? A life accident right in front of your face where there have been deaths. Look, it will change you. You see human beings slaughtered as if they were meat lying on the street. Sometimes we see some of these things in films and in the news and we think that it is imaginary. It's real. Nobody knows how he's going to die. Nobody knows when he or she is going to die. But the fact is, unless Jesus comes earlier, all of us will die. I pray that I die before you die. But don't assume that I will die before you die. Because you may die before I die. I'm just telling you the facts of life. If you go to any mortuary, you see babies, you see toddlers, you may not be fortunate to see them because they don't, they don't keep those ones there for long. And you see teenagers, people like you. You see people like your parents. And you see people like your grandparents. They are all there. That is the reality of life. But that is not 
this life is not all there is. That is why Jesus Christ came to remind us of what God's intention was from the very beginning. And then he showed us how to live. He taught us how to live. And he says, you must live this life. And teach other people to live the same life. We ask us, are we living the life? Answer the question for yourself. I'll answer for me. Are you living the life that Jesus calls you to live? A week ago, I was chatting with a young pastor. And um, she shared with me an experience. Because she had never had that experience before, so she shared with me. But we ended up laughing at her. She said that she decided to visit the club. So she went to the club and saw some of the things that happened there. And sadly enough, she saw some of her church members there. You are laughing. I see some of you don't do the same. Another young man I was talking to shared with me about a program that Vodafone had organized, a worldly program that Vodafone had organized. And by virtue of the nature of her work, she had to be there. And when she was there, he said, Uncle Biju, I saw some of your children there. Teen Chapel. I said, everybody, think about your life. Oh, don't think about other people and condemn. Think about you, your life. I said, look, Uncle Bishu, these people are people who are supposed to be in boarding school. They ran away from school. And they came for such a program. This morning, I want to do some deep thinking. You want to start the basics of discipleship. And if you, for the sake of writing notes, if you want a, t- a title for our chat this morning, it's simple. Follow me. But I wish that you would not even write, but you think. Take note of the scriptures and go back and read them, every one of us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This was written by Paul to a young pastor called Timothy. And this would be our memory verse and all of us should memorize it right away. Let's read it together. 
and the things that thou hast heard of me. Hey, what did I say? I said, let's read it together. Ready, go. And the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I don't like the King James. But it's okay. So let's paraphrase it. Verse, verse 2 only, please. Paul told Timothy that you've heard me teach you some things. Look for people who are faithful. And I can tell you that God is not just looking for church members. He's looking for people who are faithful. When you find those who are faithful, teach them the things that I have taught you. That they also, they will teach other people. Paul did not qualify those they should teach. But I can qualify it based on what he told Timothy. Timothy, you to look for faithful people and teach them the things I have taught you. They must go on and look for other faithful people and teach them. Are you faithful? You see yourself as a faithful person. Does God see you faithful? Yesterday, the facilitators, we had a small meeting. I was challenging them. God is asking every one of us, including myself. Are you faithful? Does God find you faithful? Did I say God forbid? I don't know, but should it happen? Let me water it down. Should it happen that anything should happen to you? Understand it whichever way we like. Would God tell you good and faithful servant? Those are the people that I wanted in heaven. God is looking for faithful people. There to be faithful. The things that are being taught you, are you even learning them before you start looking for faithful people to teach them? Are you learning the things that we teach you? When we teach you, do you go over what is taught you? Does it sink in? Do you apply it to your life? Or do you just get stirred up Get emotional, and after Sunday, it's all over. Last week, there was a chat on one of the WhatsApp groups in this church. We were chatting, and we were being reminded of the all night. And on Thursday, is it Thursday or Friday? We were being reminded of the all night. And someone said, Hey, Charlie, I forget to. How can you forget? Do you even think about it throughout the week? Can anybody tell me 
what Uncle Bethmond spoke about last week. Don't tell me fight. Some of you don't even remember that he talked about fight. What did you learn? What have you applied? What fights did you fight this week? I hope you are thinking about your life. How many of us did our quiet times this morning? Lift your hands in the air. Everybody. If you did your quiet time, lift your hands. All right. Thank you. Confess, you don't eat breakfast before coming to church. But how many of us ate breakfast this morning? Some of you know where I'm going, so you know, lift your hands. Some of you ate double plates this morning. No, seriously. I mean, how many of us ate? Lift your hand properly. I'm, I won't embarrass you. There's nothing, there's nothing embarrassing about this. So, you are not hungry, are you? Ah, I'm talking, I'm talking to those who ate. I'm not talking to the rest of us. Foolish girl. Now, those of us who didn't eat, are you feeling hungry? If you're not feeling hungry, you are lying. You are a big liar. If you, me, I'm okay, but I'm feeling hungry small. It's, it's natural. I was speaking with Uncle Bethmond this morning, and I was telling her, oh, yesterday we didn't see you at the church workers' meeting, so honestly, I was very tired. After the all night, I had to go for another program. So by the time I finished that program, I was so tired I didn't come. If you don't sleep, you feel sleepy. Some of you are feeling sleepy this morning because it's just the night. Instead of sleeping and preparing yourself for church, you are watching some things. You are doing some things. You are reading some things. And should I say, some of you were touching some things you shouldn't be touching. You see, whatever you did, whatever you did, I don't know what you did. You enjoyed what you did. If it is sleep, you enjoyed the sleep. If you are watching a movie, you enjoy the movie. If you are partying late, you enjoy the party. Even, uh, I'll not mention that, but even some of the other things, whatever it is, you enjoyed it. Now, whatever you went through yesterday night has added on to your life. And even this morning that I'm chatting with you, some of you are still thinking about some of the things that you did yesterday night. Whatever it was. If you were touching some dangerous things. Or if you watch a scary movie, some of you are still scared this morning. If you read some scripture and you had a good time with God yesterday night, this morning you feel good about God. That is life. The things that you spend your mind on, those are the things that you become. The prophet Azar told us, that will keep him in perfect peace. 
whose mind is stayed on you. If your mind is stayed on God, if your mind is stayed on the word of God, if you are fighting the good fight, you'll be coming stronger and stronger. You'll be growing richer in the word. But if you are constantly watching sexual movies, your mind will be running up and down, even in church, about that guy or that lady or some of those naughty things that you've been doing. That is life. The things that you spend your mind on, that is what you become. And may I remind us again of what we are talking about. What is life? What is your life? And what will happen after this life is over? Would you be happy with your life? Would God be happy with your life? Mankind messed up so much right from the garden. We've heard this story so many times. And then it went from bad to worse to murder to mass murder to the extent that God said, look, man's heart is so full of wickedness. I'll clear them off. So came the flood. For those of us who think that God is so good and he's a good God. But some of us know God is good, but we don't even know the depth of his goodness. We know God loves, but we don't know how much he loves because we don't think about his love. And we think that there's no way God is going to send anybody to hell. Oh yes, God's wish is that nobody be sent to hell. He didn't create hell for human beings to be sent there. He created hell for the devil and the angels that rebelled with him. But that's not the topic of our subject today. But if you choose to live a certain kind of lifestyle or if you choose not to live a certain kind of lifestyle, you will join the devil hell. So God destroyed the world with a flood. And that was just a sign for us to know that what he says he will do, he will do. Not that he can do, he will do. You know the story about Sodom and Gomorrah? This is becoming scary now in our generation. Because there's a very clear global agenda now on these LGBT issues. Now it is slowly coming into our school systems. It's already all over on the net. And some of us have already been deceived. I'm talking about Teen Chapel. And then some of us are slowly getting confused. When God got fed up, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. So when God talks about the lake of fire, look, he knows what he's talking about. Unfortunately, that one 
When you land there, there's no escape. It's forever. You see, we're talking about the basics, going back to the basics. We don't often talk about these things, but this is the fundamental. It's the beginning of understanding life. God made us, he created us, that he would have fellowship with us, that he would love us, that we will love him back. There is no sin in God and God does not tolerate sin. That is why when you choose a lifestyle of sin, habitual sin, especially after you have experienced the love and the forgiveness of God and your sins have been forgiven, you have been washed with that precious blood that was shed by Jesus Christ who came all the way from heaven, laid down his divinity, laid down everything that he had and took on the form of a human being to live the life of a human to make us to understand that it is possible to live that kind of life. And at the end of it all, he decided to pay the penalty of our sins. The penalty that was due us. He died on the cross, shed his blood that you might be brought back to God. That he will buy us back from the devil that stole us from God. If you have experienced God's forgiveness and you have experienced the washing in the blood of Jesus, and you still choose a life of disobedience to God, a disobedience to the things that we teach you in church. Clubbing, pornography, sexual immorality, cheating, lying, stealing, doing all those kind of stuff. The Bible says people who practice these things have no part in the kingdom of God. And you are joking with it. At the end of your life, God will ask you questions. And like the video we we saw, don't think that singing in the choir is enough. Don't think that even preaching like I'm preaching this morning is enough. Don't think being a facilitator is enough. Don't think that being a member of Teen Chapel, God does not look at these things. He looks at your individual life in connection with what he has told us in his word. When Jesus Christ came on this earth, and he taught us how to live, because the Bible says that he came to fulfill all righteousness. Before he left this earth, he says a word that are worth thinking about all the time. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, that is his disciples. All authority has been given to me in heaven 
and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Jesus had come to earth, live the righteous life of a human, pay the price of our sin on the cross of Calvary with his own blood, overcame death, came back from the death in a resurrection, showed himself to his disciples. And then finally he tells them, all authority, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Yes, and I was thinking, must be a day. Yeah, for me. Anybody sleeping near you, wake them up. And just tell them, wake them up and tell them, think about your life. Jesus starts his last words to his disciples by saying, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why? Why do you think that was the, the first of his last statement? Listen to me. The devil is not a fool. The devil would use everything to get you away from God. He will manipulate you. He will use your friends. He will, do, he will distort scripture. He will make you think that God's life is not the real life. I have the real life. Come and see. He will deceive you. If he has to use powers to manipulate you, he will. In my language, and people tease us with some of these things, and it is true. I'm sure you've heard terms like "equal equity." Have you heard things like that before? Ah, are you in this world? You haven't heard "equal equity" before. This causes they are being naughty today. But there is power, and there is power. Look, they are powers on this earth. If you don't believe, you better start believing. In fact, if you don't believe in that in itself is a deception. And, and those who double in the occult on this type of powers, they experience the reality of it and they come to the point where they are so convinced that their power is even stronger than the power of God. That is why sometimes when you go to talk to such people about the word of God and talk to them about sin, they laugh at you. Because they think that you, you don't know. You've, you've heard me talk about my friend many years ago who had a certain ring that he got from India. When he rubbed some oil on that ring, he can see anywhere in the world. You know that story? I will not repeat that story. Don't forgive me. Okay, maybe another time I'll tell you, but not today. 
But you see, such a person had experienced the reality of occult power. That when you talk about Jesus, he, he laughs. In fact, when you go to some of our traditional weak doctors, they boast that, look, after their God, it is now and now, power now. Now demonstration. Now manifestation. And your God is slow. I mean, not, look, he doesn't even have power. That is what they tend to believe. Jesus came to this earth. He encountered all kinds of powers as a human being. He cast out devils with his word. In fact, people who experience this say, what manner of man is this? That he even commands demons to live and they leave. Because demonic and occultic powers had controlled people so often that a lot of people didn't know how to deal with it. Jesus overcame death and he reminds us that all power in heaven and on earth is to him. And then he says, because of this, go. Mind you, he was talking to his disciples, the faithful ones. Go to all the nations and make disciples. Listen. Please listen to me rightly so you don't misquote me. Jesus did not give us any instruction to go and convert anybody. Jesus didn't tell us to go and make converts. Jesus is not interested in converts. But what he instructed us to do involves the process of converts. But he didn't instruct us to go and make converts. He spoke to his disciples and said, go and make disciples. Just like Paul told Timothy. The things that I teach you, find faithful men and teach them so that they also will go and teach others. And Jesus said to go. Listen. Jesus don't say we should go and make people get born again. Even though Jesus used that word born again with Nicodemus. In fact, there are only two times in the entire Bible that we talk about, that we read about these two words born again. One was by Jesus when he was talking to Nicodemus and one was about Peter when he was talking about the fact that we have been born again with the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus does not just want us to be born again. And many of us have settled for that. We are born again, so we think we are all right. We think that our names have been written in the book of life, so we are going to heaven. That's okay. So we can leave it. That's the one of the reasons why we live anyhow. God is not looking for people who are born again. God does not just want us to be born again. He wants us to be disciples. 
He says, go and make disciples. The latter part of this conversation, we'll leave that for another time. But he talks about making disciples of all the nations, not disciples of Lashidi. And not just disciples about a school. Go and make disciples of all So, the first part of this process is that you oh, leave him alone. Don't worry. We are chatting. He wants to chat. The first part of this process is that you yourself, you must be a disciple. You must be faithful. If you're not faithful and you're not a disciple, you cannot make disciples. And the instruction that God, Jesus gave us is that go and make disciples of all nations. Some of us are anxious to travel abroad. Some of us, our whole dream is they want to go to America. Our whole dream is that we want to go to Europe. And some of us, oh, he's chatting with us, don't worry. Yeah, fine. And some of us will think that we try to twist scripture because Jesus said we should go to all the nations, so we are going to make we are going to make disciples in America. Have you made disciples at Lashibi? So we'll leave that discussion. When we get to the group studies, we'll talk a lot more about that. But he, he says, go and make disciples. The reason why he started, what is he? Why is behind me? The reason why he started talking about power is that when you attempt to make disciples, when you attempt to make disciples, you encounter, just ignore him and listen to me. We are chatting. When you attempt to make disciples, you come into confrontation with powers. You see, when you are lukewarm, when you are just born again, and you are just in church, you don't come for all night, you don't come for retreat, you don't come for Monday meeting. When you come to church, you come late. You miss the prayer, you miss the praise and worship. Sometimes even the preaching crowd, I'm sure somehow we have some people still come to church. When you do that, when that is your habit, you cannot be a disciple. You need to be serious, you need to be faithful, and we'll be talking about passion very soon. But Jesus' Jesus's instructions were very clear. Go make disciples. Then he said that, I am with you to the very end. So you are not alone. Those of us who are afraid to go, he just says, go. And don't be afraid. He says, all power is available. Just go. Let me tell you this. Look, there are there are certain dimensions of God that you will never experience. There are certain realities of God and his word that you will never experience until you be, obey his instruction to go. There are some things that will not happen in church. But when you go out, it will happen. Are you thinking? 
Because this morning, I want us to think. So, I want everybody to make up his mind that I am determined to go. Hey, now you are going too far. I am determined to go. Just make up your mind that Jesus said it, so I will do it. I will go. Don't be afraid of what will happen. Don't be afraid of any kind of power that you confront. Look, the time that I confronted this guy with the occult power, I was less than six months old, a Christian. I didn't know plenty of things. But one thing I knew, God says you must go make disciples. I was not very good at witnessing, but I was determined to obey. So I linked up with a friend who was also not very good at teaching. He wasn't good at making disciples, but was a great evangelist, very strong in witnessing. So we team up. We go out to win the souls. I don't win the souls. I gather them and I begin to teach them whatever little that I knew. And it was in the process of this teaching that I started encountering some of these things. There was one time that we went for a crusade. I was a very young Christian. I didn't know much. I knew a little bit about the word of God. But I just believe God when he says you should go. So let me leave this. Mark says the same thing. In Mark it is recorded that go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The instruction is to go out. Just go. Go everywhere. Go into all the world. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved. But you see, Mark's version is a little abridged. Jesus was not just interested in the, in the saving of people who believe. He was interested in transforming, changing people to become faithful and disciples who are teaching others. Mark ends by saying that these signs will follow them that believe. You see, when you believe, you can't see him. He's hiding under the pulpit. Don't shake your head. Don't worry. It's okay. At least it's not troubling you. If you obey the instruction to go, if you obey the instruction to go, no power can stand against you. Any power that attempts to block you from doing what God wants to do, Jesus will intervene. And that is when these signs and wonders will follow you. It's okay, let's go. Let's go back. Miss Connie. Good boy. Luke says a similar thing. And John's account is, is, is 
a little modified and it throws more light on what it means to be a disciple. John chapter 21 from verse 15 downwards. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Look, Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, you must feed my lambs. The converts, the young ones, those who don't know much, you feed them. That's the first stage of discipleship. Feed the young ones. Some of you think that you don't know much. You don't need to know much before you teach. What do you know? Tell others who don't know what you know, what you know. You were at camp, weren't you? Those of us who were there. And even those of us who were not at camp, last two weeks we had, you had a small session for you. Some of you chose to, to not to follow up on the all night. But whatever you know, look for your friends who don't know and tell them what you know. Don't think about the consequences. That is the instruction. That is the obedience to the instruction to go. But you see, some of you are more interested in the boy that listens to what I'm, I'm saying. And you're not even thinking about your life. This week, I'm giving you an instruction. Every one of us is going out. I'll summarize the instruction at the end of the service. If you like to obey, if you like don't obey, if you like choose to be faithful, if you like choose not to be faithful. But I hope you choose to be faithful. So he said, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He didn't say tend my lambs. See, lambs cannot be tended. Lambs should be fed. You see how difficult it is to control Jerome? You, you cannot control him. Just feed him. Just keep feeding him. When he's full and he goes to a certain stage, then he start disciplining him, start controlling him. Next time he will come here again. When he starts learning discipline. Some of us are like Jerome. All you are looking for, you are waiting for food. Where's Uncle Bethmont going to preach again? Where's Auntie Gina come to preach? We will feed you uh, when you are full. Then you go, you go and poo poo all. Then next week you come again. Every day, you want to remain a lamb, remain a baby. Jesus is not looking for those type of people. Those type of people don't experience the depths of his love, the depths of his grace, the depths of his glory. Try not to run ahead of myself. But I need to finish this today so we can discuss it some more in our groups. And then the third time, he asked him again, and this time the instruction to him was that, feed my sheep. You see, there's a difference between feeding lambs and feeding sheep. I was discussing with Uncle Bethmore earlier on uh, this morning. We've tried this several times in the past. But we are going to establish, in spite of the fact that we don't know what's happened to teen church, but we, we're going to have our special sessions where we teach people who really want to grow. Throw me down on a Sunday morning. Those who are ready for meat and bones, 
those who are ready to take God's word, take his command, go to the next level with God. Be a true disciple. You see, some of you, you look at us and you think that we are, we are some way. Don't you? Some of you, sometimes you look at us and you think we are weird. And those of you who are desiring to go, you look at us and you when you, will I also get this kind of faith? When will I get this kind of passion? When, when will I enjoy the things of God? When will I talk about the power of God the way these people talk about it? The beginning is to decide to be a disciple, decide to be faithful, decide to go. And decide to sit at the feet of teachers and learn. And when you learn, whatever you learn, look for some other people who don't know what you know and teach them. That is the only way to grow. That is how we all started. We didn't just jump and become who we are today. We are still human. We still struggle with sin. We still struggle with immorality. We still struggle with all kinds of things. But we have learned how to rightly divide the word of God. We have learned how to rightly fight. Because we continue to win our battles. We also come under demonic attacks. I was showing Uncle Dennis some time ago. I was some attacks and some fights that I was going through. Then you said, Ah, Uncle B, so you also go through me. Yes, I am human. Then ask Dr. Otabil. He's human too. He has his own battles to fight. Every one of us has to fight battles. I was sharing with a dear pastor friend, a young man, this week. He was telling me some things that he was struggling with in his marriage. And I said, hey, and then he mentioned me. This thing is part of the marriage. It is a spiritual battle that you have to fight. And as you fight, God gives you grace to overcome. Then he takes you to the next level of grace and power. And we have victory in Jesus. You see, those who are not willing to fight, they make a mess of their marriage and they give up on marriage. Tell that marriage is good. They're not ready to marry, but I'm telling you that marriage is good. Start preparing for it now by stopping the clubbing. And they're drinking. And those of you are, we are making attempts at drugs. Don't do it. It doesn't help. It only destroys your life. It will destroy your future. Okay? Take good advice. And don't, don't, look, listen. Listen. Listen very carefully. Uncle Beckman shared some things with us time ago. I remember when I introduced him. I told him that there were some naughty things he was doing. And I know. But we never discussed it. And he said, well, I knew you knew. It's not everything that we know that we confront you with. So when we don't ask you, don't, don't think that we don't know. You know things. And it's not just, as you see, everything you do, God sees. He knows your heart. Right now, he's looking, he's looking at your heart and he, he knows. He's, he's telling you right now that the things that I am telling you, you are telling yourself in fact. He, he will not force you to be a disciple. But he gives you the command. He gives you the conditions. He says, I lay before you life and death is life. Choose what you want to choose. Then Jesus began to talk about the kind of death. Um, I'm jumping out of that. 
Well, after Jesus has spoken to Peter, has spoken to some of the disciples, I've skipped some verses. And then he told Peter to follow him. And when Peter started following him, he looked around and saw that John too was following him. Then Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrayed you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man too? Sometimes that is our problem. God says, go and talk to your classmate. You are there and you see a coast who is in teen chapel also comes to talk to your classmate. And then he's like, God, why is a coast also going? Is that your matter? Obey what he tells you. Jesus replied, Peter. If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You see, Jesus read between the lines. And I don't want to go to that because that's not my focus. But he said that, look, whatever happens, you follow me. If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. You follow me. That's the instruction I gave you. Follow me. And the instruction I've given you this week is that you must go. Just go. Tell somebody. Your classmates, your neighbors in your, in your area, your area boys, the area girls, just tell them. What am I going to tell them? Tell them what you know. Matthew 16. When Jesus appeared on this earth, you know, and he started encountering and teaching his disciples. There was one time that Jesus asked them, who do men say that the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You see, when you are not a disciple, when you are not studying and the teachers that God has given you, you, you always be confused about issues of life and the things that relate to God. Those who did their quiet time today, they have something current that they can talk about God. You all you can talk about is what you heard in church last week Sunday, which you have already forgotten. And even if you ask you to summarize it, you will distort the whole thing. Right? You will preach a very different message. But if you have been with Jesus for some time, if you are learning at the feet of the teachers that he gives you, you begin to understand the mind of God. You begin to catch revelation of God. Anyway, so Jesus asked, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, son of Jonah. These things were not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. Listen. You can be in church. You can go to us. You can come in and go out with us and still not get personal revelation of the God that you serve. Where did Peter get that revelation from? 
the scripture tells us that it was revealed to him by the Spirit of God. It wasn't revealed to him by human beings. It wasn't revealed to him by his fellow disciples. It was revealed to him by God. Until you get that kind of personal revelation, you can read the scriptures, you can have all kinds of arguments, you can say all kinds of things, but there are a lot of things that you will not see. What's happened to my mic? Please go up and down. Am I boring you? Are you thinking some of you are sleepy? I really wanted you to think. I, I seriously wanted you to think. I want to skip and jump some things, but I'm wondering what to skip and what not to skip. Let me, let me pray, please. After just after Peter made that declaration of the revelation that he had from the Spirit of God, Jesus told him that um, he will build his church on that rock and that the gates of hell will not prevail against him. And uh, whatever he bind and lose on earth, he will bind and lose in heaven. He told his disciples not to tell anybody at that time. Then he jumped to another subject very characteristic of Jesus because he wanted to give them a certain understanding. He said from that time on he began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law that he must be killed on the third day he rise to life. Peter said, now lie. Never, you are not going to die. You see, when we think, here is Peter who had just gotten a revelation, a direct revelation from God that nobody had at the time. And Jesus confirmed it. When he had that revelation, Jesus felt that it was now time to teach them some deeper and further truth about his mission on earth. Then he began to talk about death. Peter looked at Jesus. Jesus, you are not going to die. Why should you die? You won't die. And Jesus' response, get behind me, Satan. I mean, you see, we, 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 we all know this story, don't we? But at this point, I want you to think about it. Peter gets a revelation, and then Jesus begins to teach further revelation. But he wasn't ready for that revelation yet. That is the reason why Jesus told Peter, feed my lamp, feed my sheep, and tend my sheep. Some of you are only ready to be fed as lambs. You are not ready to be tended. Join department where you won't join. You won't do anything, you are just there. You want people to work for you. Even some of you at home, you don't do anything at home. Am I talking to somebody? 
Those of you who have house helps, you want the house helps to do everything for you. Why? You are destroying your own future. Let me tell you a secret. And you guys will listen. I've been talking to some married women. Young married women. Not Solomon Co. Not the ones in Singapore. And there was one of them who didn't know how to cook. Oh, you're surprised. Oh, it happens a lot. Some friends have to teach her how to cook on the phone. I'll not go further. Some of you guys, if you don't learn how to cook, when you go to university, you'll be hungry. You'll be hungry, Papa. A word to the wise is enough. Okay. <laughs> then after Jesus had rebuked Peter, but really... He was not rebuking Peter. He was actually rebuking the devil. And then he made another profound statement. He said, Whoever, what's happened to the media team? What's happened to you? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple. Did you hear Jesus? Whoever wants to be. In the earlier passages that we read, Jesus gave an instruction, go and make disciples. Now Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciples. In other words, when we attempt to make disciples of people, there are some people who choose not to be disciples. Some of you have chosen not to be in identify with Teen Chapel when it comes to Sunday. Some of you in the Sunday, we don't see you. You, you hide uh, two weeks to camp, then you show up. Some of you hide for a long time. When you have financial need and you need help, then you show up. Oh, we see this so many times. There was one person who had graduated from Teen Chapel. I didn't really know very well, but I knew the name. One day he came up here. Both of them are not okay. One day he came up here and he said, please write a letter of recommendation for me. I want to take to the embassy. I said, I don't know you. I told him point black, I don't know you. He was literally begging. I said, ah, I don't know you. I cannot tell lies. But because I recall the name, I went to our records and I realized that he was a member of Teen Chapel some time ago. So I wrote that recommendation. That's all I wrote. That he was a member of Teen Chapel between this time and this time. That's all I wrote. Please, those of you who are being stubborn and being naughty, and later you, five years down the line, you come back for recommendations when I have retired and I'm resting at home and you ask me for a recommendation. I'll speak the truth about you. I don't lie about certain things. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple... If you want me to write a good recommendation about you, work at yourself, work at Jesus' commands now. There was another time I, somebody from the adult church came to see me. 
It appeared as if I was, I was I'm sure the person thought I was wicked, but hey, that's, that's my principles in life. She to me and she said I, I should write a recommendation letter to her. Uh, she's trying to travel to the U.S. But you're not a member of Teen Chapel. And you were never even in Teen Chapel. And so, but it doesn't matter. You can still write a recommendation. No, I can't. Go to I'll mention the department. Or said the department. Say, go to a department head to write a letter for you. Let, let you go through pastor. Let pastor write a recommendation. That's the right thing to do. I will not write it for you because you were not in teacher. But if I do that, I'm lying. I didn't do it. Some of you will think I was being wicked. But that is Jesus' principle. If you want to be my disciple, take up your cross. Follow me. He didn't just say, follow me. Take up your cross. That would be another subject when we come to the discussion groups. But the cost of being a disciple is deep. It's heavy. It's weighty. And then he continues. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What will anyone give in exchange for his soul? Many of us are exchanging our souls for all kinds of things. You go on clubbing. Continue engaging in drugs. After all the advice we give you. That is just the beginning of selling your soul. If you don't listen and you go too far, some of you will go too far and no matter who comes to talk to you, you will not be able to repent. I'm not cursing you, I'm just telling you a fact. Grace will not always be available. Don't take the grace of God for granted. Okay? So for those of you who have been doing those things in the dark, wake up. Uncle Bethel had a chance to repent early. You may not get that kind of second chance. So wake up. Maybe you say that your own is not serious. It is not, it is not the seriousness. So it is the hardness of the heart. When you harden your heart, when we tell you go, I won't go. I'm shy, so I won't go. Please, if it's you, don't be, don't, don't be embarrassed. Uh, I won't mention. And nobody, I, I don't think anybody will know that you are the one I'm talking about. But you know that I'm talking about you. It doesn't matter. This, <laughs> this morning, when we were asked to go around and shake uh, two people, I saw one lady standing still. So I had to hold her and I said, Oh, go around. I said, oh, I'm shy. I said, Oh, hey. And then she said, Oh, I, I told her, Go and shake at least two people. And that's, oh, I've already shaken two people. Okay, I'll go and add two more. She went. I didn't look at her again, so I don't know whether she added two. But this story just came to mind because, listen, when we give you instructions, even when you think you can't do it, just, just make the attempt. Just do it. You realize that I haven't given you the definition of the, a, a disciple. 
we look at that when we come to uh, our, our, the group discussions. But it's, it's important to understand that it will be heavy on you. It will cost you something. But determine to do it. Jesus says, he who lose his life for my sake will find it. John chapter 1, verse, from verse 29 onwards. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is whom I, of whom I said, after, after me comes a man who is preferred before me as he was before me. I did not know him, but he should be, he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit of God... Pardon me, I'm trying to overspeed. Let me slow down. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified. You still can't get the scriptures up. And testify that he's the Son of God. Verse 35 says, The next day, Jesus stood with two of his, sorry, John stood with two of his disciples, two of John's disciples. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and followed Jesus. Hey, how many of you are sleeping? Listen, John the Baptist had been sent on an assignment. He was baptizing and he was told that he will see something. And when he sees that thing, he knows that this is the Son of God, the Messiah. So he was baptizing. And why Jesus came to him, when Jesus came to him and he was baptized, John saw. The, the spirit of God rests on him. And he said, behold, the lamp of God. Immediately, John's disciples, they left John and followed Jesus. Why? What happened to them? What did they see? What did they hear? You realize that there were plenty of John's disciples there. There were many people who were being baptized. But two of John's disciples, when they heard what John said, they caught a revelation. I'm speaking to us this morning and I'm challenging us to think about our lives. Many of us are not even thinking. We are just waiting for me to end so we close the service and you go and buy your yogurt. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew something like that. But bear with me small. Think about your life. Okay? I want you to think about your life. Because God has an assignment for every one of us. And teachable, we are going to take this assignment very, very seriously. So, a revelation was given 
Many of them must have heard and understood the revelation, but two of them acted on the revelation and they followed Jesus. They didn't know anything. They didn't understand any teaching, but just one revelation they received, they followed Jesus. You had a discussion uh, it went on and on and um, the Bible tells us um, that then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you see? They said, Rabbi, which means uh, teacher, where are you staying? They said, okay, come and see where I'm staying. And then one of the two that heard John make that declaration was Andrew, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, Come and see, we have seen the Messiah. What's to teach that early? So the Bible says that Andrew brought Simon to Jesus, and Jesus told him, You are you are Simon. You shall now be called Cephas, which means a stone. The very next day, he found Philip and said to me, and said to him, follow me. You see, when we encounter Jesus, uh, simple instructions. He doesn't give complicated instructions. He made the instructions so simple that everyone can obey. But, hey, bring my water. But it takes a certain revelation of what he is talking about to decide to follow. You don't get everything. And teach up you are teenagers. Don't try to understand everything. Thank you very much. Don't try to understand everything. You can't. But when you receive instructions and you know this is an instruction from God, why is it when God gives instructions even to human beings? You know. He has a way of making it very clear to you. When you receive the instructions, simply just obey, just follow. Like I've given you a simple instruction today. Go. Look. Some of you are going to go and you experience some signs and wonders and some miracles that you have never dreamed that God could use you to do. The first time I experienced a miracle then, through my hands, I was very young. I didn't know much. All I knew that yeah, the Bible says when we go, we confirm our awareness, whatever, whatever. There was a crusade. A lot, a, lot, a lot of senior brothers were there and sisters were there. But some of us were so aggressive about obe- obedience. And then there was a deaf and dumb who was brought. Hey, I haven't done some before. But tell it, because of the crusade, I mean, the, the faith, you just... I don't, even, I don't even know whether I believe God will do it, but the desire to obey and to test. So I led the prayer, and before before long, the guy could hear. Started started making some sounds. Look, the people in the village were around. They were so amazed that look, this has never happened before. But in, that, in their family, they are about three people. They went and brought all those others who were also deaf and dumb. I want to hear the rest of the story. Go. So, Jesus told Philip, follow me. And then Philip also followed. And then Philip now went 
and found Nathanael and said to him, we have found the one that Moses talked about, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Go and tell your friends. Tell them, don't, don't tell them to come to church. That's all, that's all the instructions. Go and tell them about anything you know about God. You just go and share your quiet time with them. You must do, it means you must do your quiet time. And then when they ask you, tell them to come and see. It's important to take Jesus' instructions one at a time. See, some of us, the facilitators, we have, been, we have become so spiritually daft because we have been in church for a long time. Some of us have passed through teen chapel. Some of us have done some things and have stopped doing them. And we have become comfortable in our roles as facilitators or church workers or whatever we do. And we are not experiencing God anymore in those directions because we too, include myself inclusive, we are not going. There's something about obeying the instructions of Jesus when it comes to making disciples. When we go, you see, Jesus, look, there's some type of Maria. Stop talking. You're not obeying the instructions now, so this is not a time to talk. Listen, there are some type of people that only you can bring to church. Only you can bring to Jesus. Your friends, your cousins, your family members, neighbors in your, in your, in your area, people in your schools. You already have a relationship with them. You talk to them. Some of them are your enemies. Some of you don't talk to them. Pray and talk to them. When I'm talking, I'm talking to them. I'm, ta- I'm saying that they're not your friends in school. They're not people you talk to in school. But Jesus says, Go. I listen to me. Just obey that instruction. Now, when Nathaniel came to Jesus and Jesus began to tell him some things about his life, Nathaniel now wondered and he said, Now I believe. Jesus said, Is it because I told you these things about you that you now believe? Listen to what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, from now on, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Listen to me. If you want to experience heaven and certain dimensions of the spiritual realm, you need to go get people to believe. And you'll be amazed how the heavens will be opened upon your life. The subjects that you have struggled with, you'll be amazed at how heaven will speak on your behalf. The areas in your life that you have been struggling with, whether it's business, finance, or whatever, you'll be amazed about how heaven will be opened. Doors will be opened for you simply because you chose to obey. There's something about 
obedience to the instructions that God gives. It's not about doing miracles. It's not about doing big things. It's about obeying the simple things that he tells us to do. Some of you this morning, all you have been hearing God say is that to do your quiet time on a regular basis. Spend time with God. You cannot go if you don't spend time with him. Pray that God will give some of us revelations. When I talk of revelation, I mean revelations of heaven, revelations of hell, revelations of where your father will end up if you don't get him to believe in God. The revelation of how your own friend, your own cousin, will end up in hell if you don't speak to him, if you don't speak to her. In concluding our chat this morning, I want to read an article that I shared with the facilitators um, about a week ago about the fastest growing churches in the world. And please try and listen. If you are sleeping, stop sleeping and listen. An international group Discovered that the fastest growing churches in the world can be found in Iran. And they did a whole lot of research on them. I'll read part of the article. And interacted with some of the church leaders who are underground. And they said, in Iran, the model that we follow is not to convert people in order to disciple them but we disciple them so that we can convert them. Often a disciple making movement begins the first moment someone comes into contact with an unbeliever. Everything is foundational on prayer. We find people of peace through prayer. We even find locations through prayer there. The Iranian church leader noted when we do discipleship making movement, Jesus has often gone faster than us. He has come in the dreams of the people we talk to. He's come miraculously in their lives. And when they hear this, we know that Jesus has gone ahead of us. You see, you don't just get up and go because you've asked you to go. Prayer is simple prayer. God, God, sometimes, when you pray such prayers, eh, Sometimes God can give you a word of knowledge about the person you're going to talk to. Or when you decide to go, when you get there, God just gives you something to say to the person. And sometimes by saying those things, the person will just sit back and wonder how you got to know that. When God, sometimes God will even lead you to the person that you should talk to. And when he leads you to the person, sometimes it makes you feel uncomfortable. This is a complete stranger. How can I go and talk to him? Won't I look very foolish? Maybe he insult me. So I, can't I just go. When you pray and you go, that is where you begin to experience some of these miraculous things. Surprisingly, their emphasis is not about church planting, it's about making disciples. He's letting unbelievers lead other unbelievers to himself in the kingdom of God. Listen. I think two weeks ago or so, or some time back, I shared with us about something that Pastor Joshua shared with us at camp, and I believe this with all my heart. 
look, if we'll be serious, it will work. Teen chapel should be bigger than the adult church. Go to read them, add some more points. But some of you have itchy ears to read. The world is made up of Ghana, it's made up of about 70% young people. It's very difficult to convert old people, very, very difficult, very difficult to get them born again. But it's very easy to get young people to get born again. Look, to convert, to, to get old people to be born again, people like uh, Auntie Jifa, CEOs, and things like that, big men. You, you have to organize, you don't organize crusade for such people. You have to organize breakfast meeting, you go and book a hotel, spend so much money, bring them, and then they, they come and bluff, they will not even eat the food. That, look, it's, so, it's so difficult to break into that because their lives, are, their lives are set. But with young people, you are so innocent, you are so open, you are so open to adventure, and you are open to the word of God. Statistics have proved it that most people who are born again got born again when they were teenagers. Anyway, so um, what they do is simply called a disciple, a obedience-based discipleship. It's based on the authority of the scripture, and every time you read the scripture, you must obey. So it means, first of all, you must read. Whatever you read, simply obey, whether you understand or not. This is how people become conformed to the image of Christ and get sanctified. They are not just reading the Bible for information. They are reading the Bible to get transformed. And about 55% of these Iranian uh, soul winners and disciple makers are women, according to one Iranian leader. What's fascinating right now is that the most powerful leaders in Iran are women. But it's not in a bombastic, humanistic way. In fact, they are, not the, they are the most gentle of women. They are leading this movement, going out in the highways and byways, sharing with prostitutes, drug addicts, with everyone they come into contact with. And that takes a lot of courage. The women leaders in Iran have not embraced a feminist theology, according to one of the U.S.-based leaders. In a biblical way, they are submissive to proper structure and the order of the church. But when it comes to what Satan is doing, they are fierce. In Chapel, you must be very aggressive and angry and fierce with the power of God when it comes to confronting the devil. Instead of crouching in fear that, hey, the, demons, the devil, no, I don't want to get there. Look, all power in heaven and earth has been given to him. And he has made this power available to us. Let me finish reading my thing so we can close. Here's some part. There was one couple, for example, in Iran who got the opportunity to move to the U.S. after living in America for a few months. The wife decided that they wanted to move back to Iran, telling the surprised husband, there is a satanic lullaby here. You know what a lullaby is, don't you? The kind of songs we sing to people like Jerusalem, they can sleep and stop running around. She said, all the Christians here are sleepy and I am feeling sleepy. The story was disturbing because that woman was discerning a threat to her faith. That was not, that was a, a threat greater than the kind of persecution that happens in Iran. She saw spiritual sleepiness as a great threat to her faith rather than persecution. You know, in Iran, you could get killed. You know, most Muslims can get killed just because you are a Christian. And because of the 
this kind of strong persecution they faced. You know, when, when they come into contact with the gospel, the revelation, they just believe it. And that persecution opens up doors. In fact, if I read the whole article to you, you realize that because of the dreadful reign of Ayatollah, that's what opened up doors when God began to reveal himself in dreams and in visions to people in their homes. Nobody going to preach to them. And then these people, when they get to know the truth, they begin to contrast Christianity vis-a-vis Islam and they realize that no, these guys must be right. And then they start witnessing to their kind. That's why I'm encouraging Look, talk to your friends. Nobody can talk to your friends except you. I believe strongly for all my heart that in these last days, God is going to bring about a certain persecution that you have never experienced before. It's already started in some mild forms. For some of you, the schools that you didn't get is a lynching part for you to make disciples. You have fought it. You don't like it. You are struggling with it. But God is taking you to that place and going to make you a different person. If you can focus on God and begin to see God and follow him in everything. You've heard the story about uh, Pastor Jinka so many times, haven't you? I cannot repeat it here. Time, I need to close. Pastor Jinka went to Benkun Secondary School. Very much against his desires and his wishes. And that was the turning point in his life. In fact, in the scripture, we are clearly told that the only church in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ did not criticize was a church that was under a strong persecution and in extreme poverty. The church of Samaria. Revelation 2 verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Samaria write these things. Says the first and the last. Who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty. You are not rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are not, they are Jews and they are not. But the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested. You have tribulation ten days. And remain faithful unto the end. I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear. I sincerely believe with all my heart. You are close, don't worry. Okay. I believe with all my heart that whatever happens to us, whatever experience we go through, if we decide to obey scripture, God will show us. Oh, please tell that boy to listen to my last verse. Just shake it. Tell him to listen to my last verse. Listen to my last verse, okay? Think about yourself. Don't look at him. I believe with all my heart that if you listen to the voice of God and obey, and that means reading the word, that means doing our quiet time, that means going, that means obeying the instructions that we give you, God will appear on your behalf. Amen. My instruction to us today, and we are going to continue into December. By the month of December, church services will be structured towards disciples, making disciples of our friends. So, start praying now. Start talking to your friends. 
And every Sunday, aim at bringing at least two people that I've talked to, to in church. We want this to be, place to be so overcrowded that we will have to give our chairs away to our visitors that come. Don't go talking to your friends who go to church. Don't go and talk to your friends who are at action or lighters and then bring them. No, not what they are talking about. Talk to your friends that you know to don't know Jesus. Will you obey my instructions? Will you obey the instructions of Jesus? Father, we thank you for this morning and for this chat. We pray that whatever we have heard, whatever we have understood, we'll be determined to work on it, obey you, and see you work as we seek to honor you by our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Those sleepy should clap.